What's going on, guys? Welcome to Looking Ahead to Beto Days. I am Chris. And I'm Ryan. How's it going, man? We it's both been... had quite a busy week. It has been a very busy week, and thunderstorms coming through here, and all kinds of bad weather. Crazy times. Yeah, and uh, it, it it flooded in, in Houston again, so mm-hmm. um, the Astros tornado beat... in Dallas. Yep, no big ass tornado in Dallas. I uh, luckily, um, I think everybody that we knew has been safe, but I don't. I don't know what the uh, what the fallout from that has been. Uh, yeah, I haven't heard much, but you know, uh, yeah, it's always you know, never never a good time when a tornado sets down in a major city. Absolutely and, not. And the Astros are in the World Series. Yes, they fucking are. Um, that's, that's where I was getting at with it, flooding in Houston. Um, so real fast, Marcel called it uh, straight up. Um, the Astros took the Yankees in six. and But you know what? The Nationals handed Garrett Cole his first loss since May. So suck that. That's the best, that's the best thing I got going that's okay. for me. Go I, Nats. I, 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 I repeat every time I don't really watch baseball, but I do watch football. I'm an Eagles fan and we don't need to talk about the Eagles right now. So moving on, um, <laughs> we, so, uh, um, we, we, uh, we, this last week we went to the, uh, debate or I, I'm sorry, not the debate, the, uh, rally against fear. Um, and while I was there, I was able to get some uh, Y Betos from some supporters. So uh, let's and, listen to that now. Well, I was actually because um, I'm going to tie in um, our the I, I went to the WAPO yeah. event and we're going to have we have. Oh, a, yeah, you a, got one on there, too. Yeah. Yep. I have a I have a Y Beto as well. We're going to tie them both in. Um, yeah. Like I said, we both traveled. So, you know, let's go ahead and play them now. Oh, <laughs> uh, man, I don't I, you know, I don't really have anything. I don't really like Beto. I don't really have anything at the top of my head well, right so, now. Okay, I so, mean, well, first off, tell me what's your name and where you're from. It's easy. All right. Okay, so um, my name is Kelvin Callahan, and I'm from Evergreen, Colorado. So where did you first, like, how did you come, how did you first see meet Beto? And- so probably was introduced to Beto via the um, viral video of him talking about NFL players uh, kneeling. And uh, so that was the first introduction to Beto. And like, I felt like there's a guy that just, he, he summed up kind of what I felt about the protest of, you know, um, and, and free speech is part of a protest. And it was the unpopular thing to say. And I really dug that because, you know, it wasn't a smart move politically to say something like that, but he did it anyway. And He's a guy that uh, he he speaks his mind. He says, you know, how he feels on things, and he doesn't back down, you know, from that. So that's why I like Beto O'Rourke. That's a good reason. So oh, thank awesome. You. Yeah, sure. That's perfect. Perfect. Thank you. Can, can, can I interrupt for a second and get you to tell me why you like Beto so much? Oh, hold on. First off, let me start with what's your name and where are you from? My name is Renee Stanley. Um, where I'm from is a loaded question. Um, all over. I'm yeah, all over. Three places in two states, Texas right. and Colorado. Right. And I like Beto because I agree with his stand on the issues. I find him inspiring. He has inspired me like no one since Robert Kennedy. And um, I have to say that he inspires me so much that after I cast my vote for him last year for the Senate race, mm-hmm. I literally got in my car and wept 
because for the first time I felt 100% confident of my vote and who I voted for. That's great. That's powerful. So. Thank you. Uh, give me your name and why do you like Beto? Hi, my name's Diana Duron. I'm from El Paso. Same hometown from that Beto comes from. Why do I support Beto? Beto and I go back a long ways. Uh, we are both Hillary supporters and um, the time that I recall Beto, we were doing the last day of phone banking to get the last voters to come out and vote. And he was already our congressman and I remember voting for him and Beto, when he decided to run for congressman, he had very little hope and very little chance to make it because of the fact that Silvestre Reyes was very well known and um, he had many years already as congressman. Beto decided to run as congressman and uh, nobody thought he had a chance. Uh, even Obama had endorsed Silvestre. But Beto did what he normally does. He did grassroots. He did his grassroots movements. He did door-to-door uh, -door, and he got a congressman. And during those time, those years that he became, uh, that he was a congressman, I remember watching him as he was really, really uh, fighting for the veterans. Uh, and he even, he even was a catalyst in getting the mental health hospital uh, created in El Paso. And he was always fighting for immigrants. I remember he would do, um, he was a catalyst for doing um, hugs, not walls, and uh, that was very, very popular in El Paso because you know we're we live right next to the border of Juarez, and so those three minutes were very important to those Mexicans and those that lived in El Paso to just unite within just those three minutes, just to give each other a hug. Um, and he's always fought for dreamers. So throughout that campaign of congressman, you know, I've, I've I have followed him. And then he decided to run for Senate, and I jumped right on, and I have been a strong volunteer for him. I did just about everything. Then they, uh, uh, he, we thought he had a chance. We really did. We thought uh, he was going to make it in the Senate as he was doing all the 254 counties. And I was just door-to-door -door and donating and phone banking and doing everything that we could. And I lived in that field office. And in November, when he didn't make it, and he said to us uh, something like, in the, in the words like, um, I'll see you soon, or something like that, we all looked at each other like, he's coming back. So we waited and waited and waited. December happened, January happened, and then we had the counter rally in February, uh, that famous counter rally in El Paso against Trump. And we had about 20,000 people, and he called us within about three days before that, and he said, let's make it happen, and we did. We made it happen. People flew in from all over the place, and people were coming in from New Mexico, California, Oklahoma. I remember that, I, and it was so cold. That, that, day was so, that night was so cold, blistering cold, and I wouldn't have missed it for anything. He was, Trump was only one block away from us, and we could see them. And as we were marching into the uh, field, the baseball field, we we saw all these 
red hatters and they were booing us and uh, they were doing whatever. And we kept on marching and Beto kept saying, let's march. And he had all the troop just marching to the field and that was probably the best rally I was involved in. And then right after that came the launch rally in March 30th when we, when he did his presidential launch rally. And I was involved in that, and then from then on, I've been, I've been involved, and now I jumped in as an envoy, and yeah. I continue fighting for Beto. I do everything. I've done marching, the protests at the Tornillo camps, the immigration camps, you name it. I have done it. Uh, I was a first responder for August 3rd, a critical incident responder. Uh, that still hurts, especially when the Reverend talked today. Yeah, he was really powerful about it. And he was extremely powerful, and that brought just flashbacks to me of some of the things that I, I heard on August 3rd. Um, so everything that Beto talks about in El Paso, he, he's passionate about immigrants. He's passionate about what happened in the tragedy on August 3rd. That is true because we lived it, and we live it, and we live in El Paso, and we... We know what's at home, and we know what we are made of. We know that we're we're mending, we're recovering. Uh, we are El Paso strong, and uh, we're coming back. And we support Beto, and he's one of our own. He's one of us, one of our family. And I'll continue fighting for him. Yeah, we're gonna fighting. Thank you. Thank you. All right, tell me, why, why do you like Beto? Where, where, what's your name and uh, why do you like Beto? Okay, so I'm Cecilia Manalga, and I am from the San Francisco Bay Area, okay. California. Um, and I, um, I first saw Beto, um, certainly I wasn't voting for him in the Senate, although I supported him, um, but I, he first came to my attention when he did the, um, he answered the question about uh, kneeling with Kaepernick. Um, and it was sort of perked my interest, and um, I it went from there. Um, and I I like what I heard, and I think the what resonates with me is that he is for all Americans, um, and that he's not looking to whether you voted for him or whether you're Democrat or Republican or Independent. He really is for all Americans, and he really believes that too, which is really remarkable and something that we need. And I, I, I do a lot of canvassing for him in the uh, Bay Area and Arizona. And, and that's really what resonates with people as well as when they, they hear that someone is there for, for all of us. So um, I, am, I retired very recently and I'm all in for Beto. And uh, just, I, I guess I could say that I've retired from paying work and now I'm just uh, volunteering, working for Meadow. So, right. <laughs> so thank you. Awesome. Thank you very much. So, yeah. so uh, what's your name and uh, why do you like Beto so much? My name is, <clears throat> excuse me, Kathy. And I like Beto. I first um, was exposed to him during the Senate campaign because I'm, I'm a Texan. I live in Houston. Um, and I actually started seeing things about him show up on my friend's Facebook pages. And so that's what made me go look. It's like, okay, so what do they like? Um, and be, being someone who grew up in the 70s, um, I was very active in protests and demonstrations and getting 
a lot of the rights that we have now that we're risking losing because of what the current administration is doing. And Beto sincerely speaks from his heart about these issues, and he understands the importance. And I, above all the candidates, I believe that he's the one who can get the things done that we need to do to turn this country around and get it back to where it needs to be and create equality and, and a solid country. Thank you. Thank you very much. Your turn. <laughs> so what's your name and uh, why do you like Beto? Uh, my name is Crystal Olivas and I live in the Houston area. And uh, the reason why and number one reason why I love Beto, um, so your listeners may not be able to see my shirt, but it says Beto for everyone. Mm -hmm. He is all about being inclusive. Everyone is included. Nobody is an outsider. He talks wonderful things about everyone of different races and nationalities. Um, he likes the unification, and that's really big for me um, because majority of my friends are you know, they're, they're from everywhere. Uh, so for me, it's really important that I have um, a presidential candidate that is like that. And I want a president like that. Uh, so that's my big thing. Um, second is um, the gun violence. He talks about that. So in my culture, we always say um, el chingon, somebody who's very bold, brave, uh, somebody who's not afraid and to be voiced. Uh, that's um, you know just put it out there. Right. Say what you mean. Yeah, say what you mean. Very bold. Just put it out there, and that's the way I am. We have no filter. <laughs> so uh, for him, the gun violence is huge. For so for him to say what he's been saying about gun violence and how he wants, you know, the the mandatory buybacks of AK and ARs. That's huge for me because I have a child, and I th I know he is thinking of his children. Yeah, um, and so, and he mentions that a lot too, especially like with climate change, like you know the future generation. Absolutely, yeah. and I think of my kid all the time. I'm, and then I'm thinking of her children, right? <laughs> so it's important for me to think about not just today, but the future mm -hmm. of my child. Mm -hmm. So those are really the two major things that are important to me, and this is why I'm voting for Beto. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, uh, why Beto? Hi, uh, my name's Deb Jeet. I'm an emergency room physician and an Army combat veteran. I've been supporting Beto for about a year and a half now. I am looking for a candidate that's honest, decent, compassionate, and relentless. And those are the qualities I see in him as a candidate, and that's why I'm supporting him for president. Thank you. So I always, I, I quite, I actually really enjoy going out and getting these from people. It gives me a chance to talk to them and see all the different stories of how. It really is a lot of fun. It really is. It's, cr it's crazy to hear how people's perspectives are different. And when we have the same common goal mm -hmm. and, um, you've done a lot of the traveling, but this time we both traveled. I went to Washington DC and you went to Dallas. Dallas, yes, for the rally against fear. Yeah, Trump came into town. Uh, I think I mentioned on the podcast last week. I realized that we plugged the podcast and the rally had already completed. So <laughs> it didn't, it, it was because it, it came together very quickly. Um, but yeah, we went, to, went out there uh, to the rally. Uh, I don't remember what the final attendance number was, but it was a... It was like 5,537 or something like that. Something, it was a oh, wow. Okay. Fuck ton of people. 
or something like that. All right. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was a good, good sized crowd. Uh, you know, great, great speakers. Um, that I tell you, that preacher who came on before Beto, I would follow that man into battle. He, 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 he brought it. I mean, he had me, he had me in tears before Beto came out. Beto came out. He was amazing. Uh, you know, talked to his thing. And uh, yeah, it was a good time. I, I had intended on recording a lot more from the rally. Um, I had totally. wanted to talk to people in line about why they, uh, why they felt it was important to come out. But when I got there, I was a volunteer, and Brenda Jurgens saw me, slapped a clipboard in my hand, and before I knew it, I was collecting names and signatures the entire time, and had no time to record anything. So, uh, Brenda, she put me to work. <laughs> and that's what we've got to do. We're volunteers first. Like, I get pulled for uh, ballot petitions, and you guys heard me say my dog's name, by the way. I thought I had muted myself, because he was walking around behind me, so that's <laughs> that's why you hear me randomly yeah. say the name of somebody who ruled Egypt. <laughs> A long time ago. Um, it's my dog's name is Ptolemy. Um, but oh. yeah, no, if you, Brenda will put you to work and she will. volunteer work, she will. uh, definitely comes, uh, comes second. And there was like zero media coverage over about the, the counter rally, by the way. Yeah. I was very disappointed in that. I mean, you, you know, Beto got 5,000 people in a week's notice in Dallas, you know, like that's, that's it's no small feat. That's, that's something, you know. That's not a small thing, and yet nothing, not a, not even a, a a peep out of him. So you know, people start talking about crowd sizes, and I'm like, you know what, bullshit. <laughs> yeah, Beto brings them all the time, yeah. but nobody in the mainstream media talks about it. But he did get a second qualifying poll today, so mm -hmm. that was that's great. That's oh, that's tell me about good. your event. You went up to the Washington Post event. How did that go? Yeah, um, I drove up last night. I drove mm -hmm. up. Um, and stayed in Alexandria, and then I went to the Washington Post this morning um, for the 2020 candidate series that Washington Post is putting on. And um, for this is a true fish out of water story. Um, for those of you who know anything about my background, you know I grew up in a like hillbilly town, so I still wear jeans and flannel. Like I'm as liberal as they come, but. Now you can take the 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 boy out of Bacosin, but you can't take the Bacosin <laughs> out of the boy in some cases. Like, I, I got rid of the other shit and kept the flannel and the jeans. Um, so I go in there and everybody around me and is in like G, uh, like suits and shit, and I'm in my like red flannel shirt and jeans. <laughs> and so we, that's the way it started. It was great though. I talked to all of them. They're wonderful. Uh, I'm sure people. they all wanted to talk to you. People, oh, we got was, an authentic one here. We got a real one here. Let's go talk to him. I bet he's got some stories. Right. <laughs> so, and it didn't didn't help. Like I watched the, I saw the the live feed video afterwards, and if you watch it, like you can pick me out. I'm bigger than everybody, and you can see the light shining off my big. Got the lumberjack look going. <laughs> yeah, I look like brawny. <laughs> anyway. Um, I, I really liked the, the we got, they got to do a Q&A with Robert Costa first because um, Beto in true Beto's fashion was a little bit late. And when he came out, um, you know, he apologized for being late and he joked about it later. But a lot of the answers he gave were really, really spot on. And one of the things and I was talking to um, Kelly Willett, who's who I went with, um, who's been on the show and we did the the. Um, fundraiser I actually recorded this great piece with her on our way back in the car and it got lost I don't know what happened to the audio but it was really good um we were talking about 
Beto's use of Nazi terminology in, in referring to the Trump administration and all of this stuff. And, you know, he gets questioned on that, but people aren't looking at the fact that he's 100% correct. Um, if you look at one of the biggest motivating mm. factors in, mm. uh, for any voter, it's, it's your wallet, right? So right. as it's the as, economy, stupid. It's it's the economy. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's the economy. And you have to one of the things that people are forgetting in this election are how do you get people to forget about their wallets? And to tie this into Nazi Germany in 1933, January 30th, 1933, Adolf Hitler takes over at um, as chancellor. Two weeks later, the Reichstag burns and the rest is history. But he had the support of the German people at that point in time, including Jewish people. Mm -hmm. He had he they didn't might may not like his policies at all, but they knew he was going to bring and make Germany great again. If if you can buy that illusion, um, right, right, right. He and he did. He 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 boosted the economy. So as they started doing atrocities and committing atrocities, people were looking the other way because well, my my wallet's better than it was in years. You know, mm -hmm. we were the people who were forgotten. We had to pay all these reparations. The world, the world challenged us. They tried to beat us down, and we rose up. And what the fuck does that sound like that I'm saying? Right, right, exactly. I, I, that sounds like a Trump rally if I've ever heard one. I've spent my entire adult life studying this shit, so we didn't have it happen again. And he's not wrong. So that I'm tired of people fucking questioning that And, and him you on know that what? That, that I think I saw that. Uh... It got blown up a little bit. Um, I thought it was really interesting because he actually got some positive media coverage from from your event. So it's kind of interesting. We have a tale of two events now. I have one where it's you know fifty five hundred people in Texas, you know, you know real people who are going to actually flip the state blue, and a Washington Post event. Which one gets more media coverage? The Washington Post event with maybe you know? seventy five to one hundred people in the room. Exactly. So now you begin to see what the media what the media actually cares about. They want exactly. to be coddled. So Ex exactly, and, and that's and yeah. It's frustrating. It is. It is. It's, it's difficult breaking through that because you can't simultaneously break through to voters and coddle the media at the same time. Exactly. Because, you know, you, you can't just spoon feed, feed them shit. And that, that rally should have had bit much more attention given but, to it. But I'm and, glad he got positive coverage out of yours. So, And those were some absolutely. great answers. I saw some of the videos and clips from that, and it was some really good answers he gave. I, I like the one about Tulsi Gabbard. Yeah. Um, he made them be more, more specific. And... Um, you know, he answered the question. He said he didn't think she was an asset. Not to completely ignore the fact, you know, this people lost their fucking minds over this. That the New York Times had to retract that story. That that's not what Hillary Clinton said. Yeah, that was a that was a um, that was a ridiculous fit that I don't think anybody actually really cared about. At the end of the day, you know, Tulsi Gabbard is wrong, but she can be wrong on her own. <laughs> exactly. She doesn't need someone else to make her wrong for her. And yeah, exactly. And and the one last thing I'm going to pull from this um, before we move on to uh, climate strike is um, at the end, he Robert Costa asked him, he said, like, what is the chance there's a, a Senator O'Rourke? And he starts mm -hmm. listing some of the candidates. And as he's listing the candidates, he said, but I can tell you um, that there's an O'Rourke and that O'Rourke is running for the Democratic um, presidential nomination. It was really funny. It was a good way of answering that question, and it mm -hmm. was a new way for him to answer that question because he's answered it a million fucking times. Yeah. I, I thought it, I thought it was nice. 
I, I it capped it off. That's what ended. And and before we move again, I completely forgot about this. We were standing outside of um of the Washington Post, and while we're standing there, I saw one of his, his advance team come outside i was like oh it's i can't remember his name and i was like oh, I, I know that guy mm-hmm. and then uh, beto and cynthia walked out right behind him and we waved and he waved to us and then he fucking came over and started talking to us yeah he if talked he to finds us. a supporter he will talk to a supporter if he ever has an opportunity dude he, it wasn't even he, the, the one of the people who was with us is had been friends with him when he was in high school so they'd known each other for years but like he just came over and just chilled with us we didn't talk about politics we just talked about fucking stuff he remembered because my uh, on sunday mm. i uh i went and saw him in fredericksburg you got to see him and, twice i only got to see him once <laughs> yeah i saw him twice this week we went up to i took a uh, Bodie up to fredericksburg um to meet him and like he got down on the floor with him he asked me about like we talked about his molars and shit coming in like we just chit-chatted then as well but he recognized me when he mm-hmm. saw me in um, D.C., he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, your son just turned one and this, that, and the other. So he recognized me as Bodhi's dad. <laughs> <laughs> Not a bad distinction. So Not a works. bad distinction because Bodhi was on his uh, um, was on his uh, his his Instagram. <laughs> um, so there's that. He also did the, he did plug a book in this segment that I had bought beforehand because the guy that we were there with was, like I said, knew him. Uh, it's a book called uh, Just Mercy um, by Brian Stevenson. Um, deals with a lot of uh, the racial, um, like civil rights and all the stuff that was going down in, on in like Alabama and stuff. So I'm gonna give that a read. And cool. Let me probably report up. back on it. Um, so, but um, so while you were at yeah, so, the yeah. steak fry, you went to the climate strike. Right, right. That was on the Friday. Uh, I think I talked about it in the steak fried episode. Um, yeah, so we went there, and basically what happened was uh, is a big crowd. I think they said there were 600 people there. I can't remember if that was the correct number. Um, and a lot of people there protesting, uh, a lot of homemade signs out there. Uh, so basically what I did is I uh, got some recordings of the speeches. I talked to a few people uh, while we were waiting for the rally to kick off. There's a lot of very knowledgeable people out there. I got into a great conversation with somebody about ethanol waivers. Um, so we're going to play that for you as well. <clears throat> talked to a science teacher. Got a chance to talk with the actual organizer of the steak fry for just a couple of minutes. I caught her at the end. Turned out later, I think I mentioned this in the steak fry episode, she then turned around and then endorsed Beto to run for president the next day so that was really awesome to have uh, an activist like that jump on with Beto um, and then but most of the time I just spent gawking around a lot of people brought a lot of homemade signs out there and I would just walk up to people and talk about why are you out here today uh, what does your sign mean you know what's important and uh, you know everybody everybody if they had a if they had a homemade sign they wanted to talk about it and uh, how how it was personal to them and tons of interviews lots of people to talk to so yeah let's uh let's go ahead and play it and let you hear that Oh, so 
Can I ask you a couple questions? Oh, definitely. Sure. That'd be great. I like Beto a lot more than right. I do like Ted Cruz. <laughs> I think we can all say that. <laughs> In 2015, I got to spend a lot of time with Ted Cruz. Oh, really? Yeah. I was part of an ethanol campaign. Okay. And ethanol is one of the few bipartisan issues that both sides can agree to it. And it's, Hello. No, you're good. You're good. I'm just checking. Yeah, Beto sounds like a very strong candidate on renewable fuels. Okay. Ted Cruz, not so much. No, not at all. <laughs> and the big reason is biofuels reduce the price of gas. Right. That makes Ted Cruz uneasy because it's not just about money, it's about power. It's about oil dependence. And so renewable fuels gives us independence. Right. We don't need foreign oil. We can grow it our own. And so... What I would uh, implore to Beto is to tour some of the fascinating renewable fuel places that we have here. If you go south of here, there is a company called Darling that uh, turns uh, dead animals into biodiesel. Really? Dead livestock, instead of being thrown into uh, a landfill, can be rendered into So do they pick up the roadkill and bring it there too? <laughs> there are guys right now that are driving around picking up dead animals, oh, wow. taking them into a rendering plant, they render it, they send it down to a biodiesel fuel station in St. Louis. Oh, wow. A lot that's better than having those carcasses just rot in a landfill. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the methane that the decomposition produces and all that stuff, yeah. So, local solutions. Mm -hmm. uh, Ted Cruz does not like local solutions. He would much prefer us to be dependent on foreign oil. Right, right. Um, so that's one big thing. But we got to spend a lot of time with Ted Cruz and as nice of a guy he is he is pretty harmful to the planet yes, absolutely thank you i appreciate that yeah well awesome best of luck to Beto. thank you i got to meet him thought it was a really nice guy he is yeah <laughs> he's uh very uh, uh, I, i'm actually from texas i came up here We're part for of texas the, uh, actually okay so i came up here my actually i was just thinking about this on the way up because we're hitting that that tropical storm right now yeah. and i got family right now who's being flooded uh worse than Harvey. So this is, uh, Ooh, you know, that's... it's one of those things like people say like climate change. No, it's it's here. It's now it's happening. And I got proof. I got it's it's affecting me. You know, I am curious though that you Beto and Ted Cruz don't have Texas accents. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I've ever heard Beto or Cruz say yeehaw or anything like that. Nah, I, I well, I joined the army. So that kind of got a lot of my accent out. Um, <laughs> so I, I didn't have to be too big of it. It still comes out. It definitely comes out around my family. Yeah, okay. uh, you should hear my sister. She's definitely got a thick accent. But <laughs> I, I would agree. Like when I'm back with my family, it sounds like we're from Fargo. Right, right, right. <laughs> but um, no, I do think Beto is running a very good campaign. I think he has made some very good points. And with the ethanol waivers, it's really, really hurt. Iowa farmers. So I hear people talking about the ethanol waivers. I'm a, I don't know a lot about that. Like, why are the ethanol waivers such a problem? Because the mandate, the renewable fuel standard says 10% of America's fuel has to be renewable. Okay. And Iowa corn growers are growing corn that's intended to be in blended into our fuel supply. So they're basically growing oil, more or less. Yeah. Okay. And then... Uh, basically, Trump and the EPA said, no, we're, we're not going to mandate renewable fuel. Okay. 
that devalues the price of corn. And it's not just corn, it's soybeans. Um, down in New Mexico, they're making renewable fuel out of cacti. Um, there's all sorts of different, in Kansas, they're making renewable fuel out of wheat, but without market access, it, it really doesn't have a chance to stand up against petroleum, which has over 100 years of subsidies, it is ingrained into our economy, it's really hard to compete against this monopoly. Okay. So when you're saying uh, the waivers, it's more of making putting that, uh, the 10% renewable must be uh, in our fuel system, yeah. enforcing that again, that right, basically creating that market for the biofuels, right? Yes. And the waivers were intended for small refineries, very rural refineries. Okay. But Trump, in all his wisdom, thinks that BP and Chevron are small refiners. Yeah. <laughs> no one believes that Chevron and BP are small time oil producers. Right. Um, when you eliminate biofuels, the price of gas goes up. The, price, the amount of carbon that's released in there goes up. And it really hurts small-time farmers. And so, yeah, Chuck Grassley said President Obama was better for biofuels than Trump. So when Grassley is switching up on Trump, so are a lot of rural Iowans. Mm -hmm. So there is a case for Beto to go out and say, hey, I want to give you market access. I want to, you know give you an ability to sell your crops. And I would say the coolest thing about ethanol is the cellulosic ethanol, okay. where when you plant corn, you harvest it, and then the corn stock remains in the field. They've been able to go back and get that corn stock, that corn stock and turn that into fuel. Okay. So basically, you think about this. Tar sand oil takes about 60 gallons of water to produce one gallon of petroleum. Crude oil takes about 30 gallons of fresh water to produce one gallon of petroleum. Cellulosic ethanol only needs 1.5 gallons of fresh oh, wow. water. So that really, really makes a difference, yeah. Yes, tar sand oil versus cellulosic. Cellulosic ha has always been the better fuel source. And, but the thing is, it, gives, it takes away the power from the big oil companies. So again, Ted Cruz did not right. like us. <laughs> well, I don't think Ted Cruz likes a lot of people. He only, he only looks out for himself, but. <laughs> well, Iowans and Texans, we share that, that shame of having these oil men as our representatives. It's unfortunate, but it is what it is. We're, we're working, well, we're working to get our guy out. Hopefully, uh, I know Texas is definitely, we're, we're right on the edge. I think, I think this cycle, we really have a shot. If we get the right candidates nominated, I think we really have a shot of flipping the, flipping the state. So I'm hoping, uh, you know, it won't be Cruz this time, it'll be Cornyn. So we'll get him out, but yeah. no, one at a time. <laughs> but that, that Houston oil money, that's powerful. It, it, it gives power to a lot of people. But, you know, the funny thing about that is a lot of people down in Houston in the oil industry, they aren't really thrilled about it. The regular workers and the people who like the day-to-day -day folks, because one of the things about the oil industry is it's very boom or bust. Yeah. You know, your, your livelihood is very much dependent on the price of a barrel of oil. And if Saudi Arabia decides to do something, you're screwed here. And a lot of people don't like that. Um, you know, it creates a lot of instability for our economy there. Uh, you know, we're always, uh, you know, the Houston economy is always up and down based on the, on the gallon of oil or the, the price of a barrel of oil. So, you know, we, the Houston itself has been diversifying significantly. I mean, it's grown over the last several years. So uh, I think oil used to be like something like 80%. I think it's only like 30 or 40% of the economy. So we're getting better, but it's just, it's still big. But a lot of the workers though, they're very much like, 
yeah, let's get on renewables. Let's get on this stuff. Train me for these tech jobs because we see those wind farms going up. We have Texas is the leader in uh, wind farm, new wind farms. And they see that I want to work there. You know, that's stable jobs. I have the job. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to uh, have to worry about being put out of job because Saudi Arabia decided something. It's 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 good work, and a lot of people want to do that and start doing that. So, I don't think that it's as um, like people really want oil. It's just that's what they have. You know, down there at least. Well, I am really glad that the Democratic candidates have made it clear we're not against. The oil men, they, they work hard jobs, they, they're doing it for the money, but it's dangerous. People are, are dying. I mean, Texas, the BP explosion. Yeah. Yeah, we have something like that happen like once every, every other year or so. It, it happens all the time. That hasn't happened with ethanol. Nobody's dying from ethanol and nobody is, um, you know, killing for ethanol. But um, we got the climate strike. Yeah. Some stuff, but hey, it was so. very nice to talk to you. All right, thank you. you for talking with me. Appreciate it. Yeah, best of luck. Thank Why you very much. Exactly. Hi, I'm with the uh, Better or Work campaign. I do a podcast. Would I be all right if I just ask you about your sign real quick? Sure. So what does your sign say? My sign says, once our land is gone, how will your money feed you? That's, that's a good statement. What does that statement mean to you? Basically, once we don't have the land to grow our crops, to raise our cattle and and other livestock, we won't be able to eat anything. That's very true. (laughs) And those in power, those that have the money, they won't be able to use that money to get food either. Yeah, just kind of once it hits, like the whole economy, it doesn't matter what you are, we're all going to be starving together. Exactly. We will all finally be one in some sort of... (laughs) Hopefully not that way. (laughs) Hopefully we can deal something bad first. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, can I ask you about your sign real quick? Sure. What does your sign say? It says, climate crisis won't wait, neither will we. So, uh, obviously you're out here today. Why is it important for you to be out here today? Um, just because I want a future for myself and future generations to come. And I just think it's a really important issue. I've always cared about our Mother Earth and keeping her healthy. Awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Can I ask you about your sign real quick? Yes. Yeah, sure. So what does it say? Uh, my sign says vegan for the future. And uh, why is that? What does that mean for you? Uh, well, eating vegan is just a more sustainable way of life. It's gonna the allocation of the food is gonna be feeding more people, and so we can just keep our generations happy and healthy, and have a nice clean air, water, soil, from uh, not having animal agriculture. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. How y'all doing? I, uh, I work with the Better Aurora campaign doing a podcast. Can I just ask you about your sign real quick? So what does your sign say? Um, it says, this is our future. So uh, why, did you, why, is that, why did y'all make this sign and uh, bring it out here today? Um, for the teenagers that voices aren't ever heard, I feel like the older generations don't listen to the teenagers when it comes to big problems that it has to deal with the world. And that's why I made this sign so the youth... <coughs> The, the younger generations have a voice and they can make a movement. Awesome. So if you could tell, if you could tell uh, the older generations one thing, what would you tell them right now to change? Listen to us. It doesn't matter about our age. We are still people and we know what we're talking about. Awesome. awesome. Thank you all. Thank you all.
How you doing? Can I talk to you for a second? I'm with the Better Work campaign. I do a podcast. Can I just ask you what your sign says? Oh, that's supporting the Sunrise Movement because they are uh, actually in the process of the struggle for all life on Earth in our future. Right. And so why is that so important? Why do you think that's so important to come out here today? Well, because it's our very existence that's at threat. And so we've got to change our ways, and we're going to have to accelerate it much faster than we're doing right now. And it's the young people that are in the forefront of this, and they need to be supported by all of us older people. If you don't mind me asking, how old are you? I am uh, 78. Oh, wow. And you, they, they got you out here marking, marching on a sidewalk. <laughs> Actually, my son was one of the... Um, momentum trainers that the Sunrise Movement went through in okay. Boston. So, and they, my two sons uh, wrote the book, This is an Uprising. Oh, really? Yeah. So anyways, uh, so our family has been politically involved. Oh, and wow. I, my uh, one son is a union, uh, or a union leader with immigrant labor out in Los Angeles. Okay. And my daughter-in-law is with the same union in Philadelphia. She's the president. Oh, wow. So we're really, and then her her husband is the one that's the author of that book, along with his oh, brother, wow. Paul. So anyway, yeah, we've been. So you gotta, you gotta, you, you're deep into it then. <laughs> yeah, for a long time. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. And I wish it could be. I've organized these strikes because the current effects of climate change are staggering, and it is only predicted to get worse. The United Nations Dispatch has determined that over 250,000 people die from climate change every single year, just because of, because of catastrophic events like floods, fires, droughts, and famine. According to the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, we only have 11 years left until climate change is irreversible. Because within those 11 years, when I'm a young adult, just starting my life, there will be increased lack of food, water, flooding, and even more lives lost to climate change. That is why I started the climate strikes in Iowa. And now I'm begging for help from you. You are the people, you are the people who can vote, organize, and spread awareness. We can all do something to act on climate change. If we don't act, we are risking people's lives. If we don't act, we are saying that we're okay with the death of our children, grandchildren, and countless others. We're saying we're okay with watching people die, just like we lose their lives to climate change, just like we're seeing right now. I want you to vote for the people who will take action on climate change and support the kids begging for you to secure our future. And to those who can't vote yet, I want you to organize and help raise awareness on the climate crisis. I am working constantly just to have a livable future. We shouldn't have to skip school and in D.C., New York, and countless other places get arrested just for the chance for, hum for humanity to survive. We shouldn't have to strike for our lives, but we do. All right, Lauren, what <laughs> and until we get the 100 companies who produce 71% of the world's carbon emissions to stop, we will continue striking. We <laughs> will stop striking. <laughs>
and their children and their grandchildren, America's children, the world children, are going to grow up in the best possible world. And we should be building that world. And we're failing that right now with the policies that we have relative to climate change. And that is not acceptable. We deserve better and we can do better. Right now we have a senator named Joni Ernst who is soldier. She's a senator for special interests for big industry, for fat cats like the Koch brothers, and they're supporting her well. She doesn't even believe in climate change yet. With the flooding that we're having, with the droughts, with the hail, with the wind, with the fires, with all the destruction going around the world, she still does not believe. And that is not acceptable. We deserve better. We can do better. We need a senator that's going to stand with you. And that is me. And today I pledge to you to be a people's senator, fighting for these young people, fighting for our older people, fighting for this environment, for this climate, for the future and promises should be available to every one of us. But we have a job to do. We need to go tackle this challenge that's in front of us. 
You see, I have the, the pleasure to travel around the world and I see firsthand how climate change is impacting us, how the chaos is threatening in Africa and Central America and other parts of the world. And it is our job to make sure that we fix that. How do we do that? We make sure we get to net zero emissions as soon as possible. We, we invest trillions of dollars in research to make sure that we have renewable fuel initiatives and technology in place so that we can get to that net, 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 net zero emission standard. You know what else? Iowa should be the epicenter of the solution. Our farmers, our universities, our people can lead this effort. Regenerative agriculture and our farm communities can take the lead on this. Working with our great universities on technology and initiatives to make sure we get alternative fuels, making sure we're improving our solar, our wind initiatives. We can do this. It can start right here in Iowa, and we need you to do that. I want to thank all the young people that are here. It has been young people that have made all the great movements in our history. Whether that was women's suffrage, whether that was civil rights, whether that was the fight for LGBTQ community, and now the fight to fix our world for our kids and our grandkids. We need you young people. You make sure your voices stay strong. Because I hear you, I see you, I want to be your voice in the United States Senator. Go help me to get there. just like millions of other youths across the planet. Because, to quote Greta Thunberg, why should I be studying for a future that may, that soon be, may be no more? When no one is doing anything to save that future. And what is the point of learning facts when the most important facts clearly mean nothing to our society? And if you still say that we are wasting valuable lesson time, then let me remind you, our political leaders have wasted decades through denial and inaction. today because we are scared, for our future is at stake. I don't think I need to call much more attention to the crisis at hand, because today the high is 80 degrees and it's practically October. Yeah. In the news coverage of the climate crisis, we can clearly see the displacement and devastation the extreme weather has directly caused in places like Puerto Rico, the Bahamas, Florida, Louisiana, New Orleans, and various other places full of people and organisms who previously had a functioning place of livelihood. Many of our representatives are not adhering to their constituents. They're putting their own economic gain over their moral and elected I believe their alignments are supposed to lie with the policies which benefit the majority of people, not the top 1% yeah. who are profiting off their inhumane legislation and funding their campaigns to keep it this way. The billionaires and millionaires who are against carbon taxes, Greenhouse, greenhouse gas caps, the preservation, and, a, and they're against the preservation of trillions of lives, 
for the benefit of their corporations must be stopped by policy. They shouldn't be able to continue this process in a government system that is supposed to foster a representative democracy. Many representatives are greatly affecting those who can't vote now, especially those yet to be born. So we need their parents and their future parents to step up, speak up, vote, educate, and put themselves out there in order to really work for their survival. And finally, make our representatives work on legislation to protect the future. Elected officials, together we've come to you with an urgent agenda. Here are the policies the people are asking of you. We ask that you enact legislation that allows for the U.S. to be carbon neutral by 2050. Yeah. We ask that education and curriculum is made to address climate change and other environmental issues through K through 12. Energy Innovation and Carbon Dividend Act. Yes, yes. We ask that you work to secure jobs and clean energy. We ask that you have all decisions tied to IPCC reports, and we ask that you pass a Green New Deal. <laughs> Lastly, we ask that you declare a national emergency on climate change. we are putting profit over our own children's livelihood and the planet's future. There is no acceptable moral counter-argument here. We must act now and we must act, swift, act swiftly because our future is at stake. I'm a writer, primarily a poet. I turn to writing whenever I'm having existential crises. 
experiencing fear and wonder in proportions too vast to keep in my head. In the past, my crisis poems have been about love or success or betrayal, the standard teenage town. These days, however, I don't have crises about those things. I have crises about climate change. I see in my mind all the people I love dying right before my eyes, swallowed up by the earth or the ocean or fire. In comparison to all my other tortured visions, it's particularly petrifying because it is so, so close to becoming reality. And yet, it is so avoidable. At this point, we know that climate change is on the course to kill us all. Scientific team after scientific team has proven that we are living on borrowed time, that we only have years, months before extinction. But they've also given us the tools. We have given ourselves the tools to prevent that from happening. We have a wide variety of ways to produce renewable energy by harnessing everything from the wind to the waves to the sun. We have countless alternatives for single-use plastic or animal-based products. We have the technology to remove excess carbon from our atmosphere and our oceans. The bittersweet, laughable irony about the path we're on right now is that we can save ourselves from it, but we won't. And that's why we're here today. That's why we've abandoned our schools, our workplaces, our daily routines for a few hours. Because we know that life as we know it is not far off from coming to a grinding, terrible halt. We are not a legislature, not a cabinet, not a president or national authority of any official kind. But we know that we have the power to either influence those people or exchange them for better ones. And if these institutions refuse to take actions in our best interest, if they refuse to save us, then we will save ourselves. We can and we will demand that corporations do away with single-use products. We can and we will demand a completely renewable energy-based society as soon as possible. We can and we will demand the Green New Deal.
my child will never see snow on Christmas or be able to go in a forest rich with tall trees and wildlife. So why is it this way? I'd say the answer seems pretty clear. There has been a gross mismanagement of fossil fuels, of natural resources, and abuse to our planet due to our usage of fossil fuels. Some of you may be wondering, what exactly are fossil fuels and what is so bad about them? Why do they put our future at stake? Fossil fuels are incredibly dense forms of energy and it takes millions of years for them to become this way. They are located in the Earth's crust, so in order for humans to get them, we must drill down into the Earth's crust to extract them. From there, they are transported and burned to create energy that gives power to our homes, schools, and businesses. Doesn't seem that bad, right? Well, when these fossil fuels are burned, they admit great amounts of greenhouse gases into the air like carbon dioxide. From there, they have nowhere else to go. They are trapped in our atmosphere, causing global temperatures to rise, melting of the ice caps, and overall contributing to the rising of our seas. Along with that, it pollutes the air we breathe. This polluted air has been linked to a large increase in respiratory diseases, especially in the youth and in the elderly. This has caused an overall shortened life expectancy. But the pollution is not only in the air, but 25% of carbon dioxide is absorbed into our oceans, causing ocean acidification, destroying our reef and coral habitats, leading to a large imbalance in our marine ecosystems. Along with this, habitat destruction and from drilling is one of the largest threats to animals across the globe. I understand 100 years ago, we needed fossil fuels because that was all we knew. But with modern day technology, our future can flourish without a heavy reliance on such fuels. It's crazy to think that if we converted to renewable energy, all of this would slowly begin to get better. But it's not. Governments and businesses across the globe have placed short-term gain from investing in fossil fuels above the long-term benefits of renewable energy. Iowa's nearly 4,700 wind turbines created thousands of jobs for Iowans and generated 34% of the state's electricity last year. We must do all we can 
but neither are many of you. And we cannot, and we must remember, we cannot have large policy change without the willingness of the people. Climate change needs to be a bipartisanship issue because extinction does not discriminate. Got it in in the first place. 
Our perspective needs to change. We need leaders who will fight for our earth. Politicians will say that our schools are worth fighting for. Livable futures and jobs are worth fighting for. Our votes are worth fighting for. But when will they say that our earth is worth fighting for? stuff ryan um you've done some really good work out in the field um you've gotten some really good shit man i still like my favorite interview you've done is the one with brenda in the uh 
in the diner where you can hear the <laughs> clinking and all that one that's like the, that's the most professional sounding shit we've done it was really good so shout out to brenda brenda is awesome she's the mvp um also we've learned if we bring up brenda um we get <laughs> maybe refused. she'll retweet us for uh, this time. <laughs> right? brenda brenda's the queen man she's awesome so but uh not to discount any of our other guests we're gonna go ahead and bring john back on to talk about the uh climate strike so we would like to bring on uh our climate expert john john how you doing today man I'm good. I wouldn't really call myself a climate expert, but I'm not going to well, you're, claim. Well, you're, you're expert enough for this podcast, so you're our expert. So <laughs> welcome aboard. <laughs> Thank you. So uh, as our listeners just heard right before, uh, you know, we I went to the Iowa climate strike and we talked to a lot, a lot of people out there and a lot of real couple big themes kept coming out and I wanted to bring you on and kind of start talking about some of those themes and, you know, kind of get your perspective. Uh, So the first big thing and the thing that everybody repeated was we only have 11 years. And that's something that's when you think about it is kind of stark and a little bit scary. I mean, that's a pretty hard deadline. What kind of deadline? I mean, what are we talking about? What is this deadline that they're saying when they say we only have 11 years? Yeah, so the IPCC, the uh, mm-hmm. Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, put out a report last year saying if radical action is taken within 12 years to get the ball rolling on decarbonization, then we might have a chance of averting the worst of the consequences of climate change. It's not really like if we miss it by one day, everyone dies. It's more like mm-hmm. if we miss it by a couple years, a lot more people are going to die. If we hold it to within 12 years where we seriously take out like half the carbon emissions that we're putting in each year, then it gives us a good fighting chance to go forward. Right. So, I mean, yeah, because it's kind of important to remember that these none of this is hard and fast. It's all degrees like it's it's, you know, it's it's a sliding scale. Yeah, it's a sliding scale of, you know, it could be bad. We're not going to make things perfect, but we need to start making things better. (laughs) Yeah. And right now, 12 years is basically them saying, you know, all right, we can keep it to bad or we can let it get a lot worse. Let's try to keep it to bad. Right, right. And I mean, the difference between bad and a lot worse is, I mean, like, what are we talking about difference here? Temperature, just basic temperature wise. What are we talking about here? Well, we'd see excess sea level rise. Mm -hmm. Uh, The temperature would compound a lot more storms Mm -hmm. uh, everywhere from Bangladesh to Central Africa to, well, I guess everywhere. We get hit with uh, weirder weather patterns, which might mean in some years more snow. It might mean no snow in other areas. Mm -hmm. We're going to see a lot more extreme weather, a lot more disasters, and a lot more famines. Mm -hmm. Uh, Beto's climate policy really talks about how, uh, you know, there are going to be lots of climate refugees. Uh, his immigration policy says, like, you know, Central Americans are fleeing right now because of drought. If climate change gets worse and worse, that's just going to get, you know, it's going to turn into a full-blown humanitarian crisis. Right. We're going we're yeah. gonna to start seeing legitimate war over resources again. Yeah. You know, something that we haven't really seen in the modern history for a long time, actually. Yeah, fighting over water. That's yeah. not going to be great. <laughs> but it's a real possibility. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but also, uh, so, but 11 years, so that's pretty, pretty daunting. I mean, when you think about it, like, hey, we're going to, we got to start doing stuff. Like, 
that was the other big thing that I, I got from a lot of people was we need to do something, but we're mm. not doing anything. But what can we do? <laughs> you know, right. and there's kind of this this back and forth of, you know, we need we're demanding our uh, politicians to act, but they aren't acting. But there's also things we can be doing, but we're not really seeing those sociological change. Like, what kinds of things should we be doing here? Well, I mean, when it comes down to it, when people say turn off the lights when you leave the room, uh, you know, don't waste energy, mm -hmm. that stuff does apply, but a lot of the emissions coming uh, into the atmosphere, that comes from, like, major corporations and major transportation uh, yeah. hubs. So, you know, it would be great if people ate less beef and turned off lights when they left, but really it does come down to pushing over and over again for concerted political action. Because mm -hmm. even if we really cut our energy usage, that's still not. I mean, this be isn't enough. something we're going to start using metal straws and save the turtles. No, we have to reduce plastic consumption across the board. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure metal straws would be nice, but it's like a drop in the bucket yeah, compared yeah. to you know Exxon Mobil taking out enormous amounts of oil and gas and burning right it. Yeah. and unfortunately that and I'm glad you mentioned Exxon because that's kind of been one of their defense strategies that they've been employing to fight climate change is well it's all on you you know you need to change your light bulbs and conserve less or like the plastic industry says well it's not our fault that this is out in, ending up in the environment the plastics are ending up in the environment it's you not throwing them away Right. You know, those kinds of ideas that it's somehow our individual personal responsibility, but not a shared responsibility. Right. It, it seems to be the, the dominant theme that we're fighting against. Exactly. And there's no real incentive for any individual person to make their life a little bit more inconvenient by, you know, biking mm -hmm. to work or not taking planes. So without real centralized action, that's just we're never going to get the kind of personal action we right. need. So. Yep, whippy. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. So yeah. I was hoping uh, Chris would be back on, but I guess we kind of lost him. Uh, so other than... Uh... So I kind of fucked up the audio there. That's on That's on me. Um, yes, again, it is. <laughs> grassroots, <laughs> grassroots production here. Um, I had my wife come in, so Hannah came through, and she had a sweet tea for me. And then I heard them talking talking about me because I was like basically producing this episode, like letting these guys um, talk it out <laughs> in doom and gloom, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> I got distracted. Yeah, and it so turns out we we're all doomed. Yeah, Market we're all failures. doomed. There's going to be climate wars unless we make major corporation actions in the next 11 years. Um, yeah. But you know what? We got plans for that, though. I mean, we, we've talked. You've got uh, a plan for that? Well, Beto <laughs> does. He's got, I mean, you know. He's talked about the, his cap and trade system. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, will help limit the limit the carbon pollutions. He's talked about how, you know, actions he can take on day one with, uh, you know, being able to stop leases on government properties, stop new permits for new drilling oil, keep that carbon in the ground where it belongs and not in the atmosphere. Um, you know, there there's things that can be done, um, and I think we kind of said this earlier was. Climate change isn't a you fix climate change. It's you get you you're either making things better or you're making things worse, and we need to start making things better. Mm -hmm. And that's really what it's making things worse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, 
it sounds like Beto does have a plan for that. He yeah. <laughs> it's it's nice to have a politician who has a plan when they say they do. Uh, no shade there at all. All right. Well, um, I'm sorry. I, 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 once I said he's got a plan for that, I was like, oh, no, I have to. Yeah. You, you've waited in deep on this fight now. It's okay. I was, I was too far in. I'm sorry, Elizabeth Warren. I'm in any of her supporters that are listening, which, you know, I doubt it. They see a, a, fucking podcast that has Beto's name in it and they're like oh maybe not today you know what we welcome you here in the yeah. trust tree this is, is a big tent we take everybody we take I, anybody yeah, I, I've, all of us. I, I've, I said I've liked Warren at times but yeah. Beto's my guy it, it all depends I did get yell at, yelled at by one of her supporters when I was doing ballot petitions the other day um Yikes. yeah she was just like she just started yelling go warren at me i was like we're all on the same team man like i could you can sign this and help all of us out if you brought me an elizabeth warren one i would sign it for you go go elizabeth warren thank you for just not listening to me at all it's like being at school <laughs> wow oh, that, such that, is life that, that's a little childish actually yeah no i was it, i mean it was at a it was at a uh you know william and mary's homecoming there was probably alcohol involved. Oh, it's all good. That's 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 okay. Yeah. We all do dumb shit. When we, we all do dumb shit. When we, I, like I've been on fire. I I I have done dumb shit when I. I was mean, drinking. I was about to say like Williamsburg has seen worse. I was gonna say like it's been on fire before, but I guess you've won up to that. <laughs> I I myself have been on fire. That is a true story. That is a true story. That explains and, the uh, hair loss. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it was my leg. Thank you. Ah. I, I set my leg on fire, and if uh, you know what, I'll, we can make a thing out of it. If we can get this this over a uh, hundred views just on YouTube alone, you know, I, I would even say hundred and fifty altogether. I will tell you the story oh. of Jim Beam in the and in, in the bonfire. I thought you were just gonna let your other leg on fire. No, God, no, Jesus, fuck, yeah, no. The first time was bad enough. Oh yeah, liquor fires. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's so much worse than you think, but I yeah. can't, I, I, I'm not going to let that out now. So uh, we're going to go ahead and thank John. John, thank you for coming back. Um, as you, always, um, yeah. you are so well versed on this stuff and I don't understand it at all. Um, so I just know it's bad and we got to fucking fix that shit. So thank you for coming on and, uh, and setting us straight. Yep. Anytime. So the good thing about John, like the really nice thing about having him be a, a, a voice on here is he's really knowledgeable. So I, I really enjoy bringing him on. He's a lot of fun. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a pretty bright guy. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely. It was good to have talk. I think you got to talk to him last time, so this is my first time talking to him. And, um, you know, it was great. It was good, good to have a chat with somebody about that, about this stuff. Yeah, and uh, again, to harken back, my bad on fucking it up a little bit. <laughs> There's a lot of Amateur stuff going hour. on. It's okay. It, it's okay. I think I think we have a couple of uh, mess-ups on this episode, so... Uh, it, it's, it's what it's makes us special. It's the thing. Yep. <laughs> yeah, why, why not? I mean, it, it makes us... It, to me, it makes us, it makes us human. It I makes hope- us... Close to our listeners. Hopefully, we don't. Hopefully, it doesn't piss off our listeners. <laughs> no, I like to th- like that. Better supporters have a really good sense of humor, man. We're some of the best people. Um, and that is we were true. talking about today. That is true. We we that all like there. You can't. You we we're good. Yes. But you mess with with one of us, and you it brings down the whole. Oh no! Yeah, of the we, we, we we definitely circle the wagons real quick. 
But yeah. when you're in, you're in. <laughs> yeah, you're you you're in. You've got the full backing of of, yeah, of all every betamaniac that is here. It's just madness. Yeah. Um. So we're gonna go ahead and bring Dan on for our weekly impeachment update. And uh, this one, this one, uh, it's a good one. There's a lot of shit that's happened. So we're gonna shit. go ahead and bring Dan on. Why we're gonna you? go ahead and bring Dan back on for our segment on impeachment. What's going on, Dan? Not much. Not much. I'm doing pretty well. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing a hell of a lot better than anybody that has had their name dropped in Bill Taylor's testimony. <laughs> a hell of a lot better than those guys. True story, Holy bro. shit. It's been a it's been a hell of a week um if you were a Republican. Um mm-hmm. so let's go ahead and get an update. What okay. are we up to? What, what do we what have we missed since last week's episode? Um well basically we had Solin um, Gordon Sondland, I believe, testified, and yesterday was Bill Taylor. Uh, Laura Cooper was today. I-, I think Volker testified before. Yes, our, uh, he is. He has testified. Yeah. Um, and I, I can't. I know Cooper did it today. I, I didn't really follow her, so but I know they had the issue this this morning. We'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but basically, Bill Taylor, in a nutshell, uh, implicated Trump in the quid pro quo. Basically, stated that the, that the aid was dependent on. Uh, the investigation to President President Biden, Vice President Biden, and his and his child Hunter. Um, but the th- funny thing about it is, uh, uh, Ambassador Sondland, the EU ambassador, he pri- his testimony prior basically kind of screwed the issue. He didn't he didn't think that Trump he didn't admit that Trump had was the one who wanted this that that was a contingency. Um, but Bill Taylor basically yesterday said, "Yes, Sondland told me about this." It was going to happen. The, the the aid was tied to the investigations, so Mr. Sondland might be a little heaping of trouble with Congress. Um, but as far as we know, um, the quid pro quo was real. I mean, we've known that for a while. Trump released the tapes. Um, Mick Mulvaney admitted it. Um, yeah, but, but we need to get over it. Mm-hmm, need to get over it, and then we don't need to get over it. But basically, from, I, I'm not even sure what's going to happen after this. I don't know. I, maybe you know how many people are left to, to interview. Um, what else they're gonna, you know? What else they're trying to find? Is there more to find besides what we know? I, I mean, they've already admitted to it. Like, what the fuck else mm. do they really need here? And no. Gordon, you're, back to Gordon Sondland, yeah. mm-hmm. you are 100 percent right. That dude, uh, he, he, he is in some trouble. Even Republicans want him back. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, which which Republicans? I've heard some. <laughs> I mean, no, I'm making a joke about the little stunt today. Oh yeah, those yeah. fucking smucks. Put a pin, um, it, put a pin in that one. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll put a put a pin in that for now because everybody's lovable used to be not crazy mayor uh-huh. uh, Rudolph Giuliani. Um, uh-huh. He has been a little MIA lately. Um, we haven't uh-huh. heard a lot from Rudy. Um, that's probably in his best interests ever since you know they arrested two of his friends, three of his friends now, right? Yeah, I forget the other one's name, but the main two are Lev and Igor, Igor or Igor, whatever you want to call him. Whichever Russian <laughs> name you want him to, or Ukrainian name, because they were Ukrainian, they were Ukrainian. not Russian. Mm-hmm. And I would hate to make the Russians look bad. No, let's not do that. Not a piss off great <laughs> grand leader. The Supreme grand leader, leader Putin. So uh, <laughs> what? what's up with Rudy? What, what's this guy, what's, what's he doing? Um, and like, how much trouble is this dude in, like for real? I think he's in a shitload of trouble. Um, I, I think you're going to see some jail time for this guy. Um, like, what is he doing hobnobbing with with criminals? You know, and even you, you've seen pictures of Levin Igor with Trump. You know, it's it's very funny, and it's happened with I believe it was I don't want to say it was Cohen. somebody Cohen knew when somebody something came out the guy was bad, and you see a picture with 
I don't know this guy, but you see a picture with Trump from years ago. Yep. You know, he's very All good at he's very he's very good at trying to sidestep something that's obviously in front of us. Um, but I think really Rudy's up a creek without a paddle. Um, it seems to me he's been extorting um, Ukraine. You know, he's been gallivanting with um, oligarchs, shady oligarchs. Um, he's, I mean, I think he's trying to fraud America. Um, uh, well, you know, for fucking sure. Yeah. And him I, and uh, yeah. him and him and Trump are, are doing a pretty damn good job of that. Yeah. yeah. And there's shadow a, diplomacy and shit. Yeah. I just, I, 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 to me, that screams illegal. It screams unconstitutional, and it seems to be a conspiracy. You know, I don't know. And it could be he's there. He's been. Um, I don't think he's testified yet, or anybody's testified in the Rudy situation. I don't think they will. I think they're going to hide. I think he's going to hide like a little bitch that he is, and avoid everything at all possible. But I think he's in a lot of trouble. You know uh, what? He's, he's <laughs> definitely screwed. He is beyond screwed. I, I don't even know. Like I and I really I know we discussed this. I don't think we did it last week, but maybe in, in in private. You know, this guy 19 years ago was everybody liked him. Republicans, Democrats, you name it. You know, he did a great job after 9-11. He could you do know, no wrong. Yeah, he yeah, and he was on SNL. He was, you know, they were fawning over him. He was um, going over the, he probably made a shitload of money. But what's his what's his strategy here? Why does he need to suddenly get in bed with President Trump and do his dirty work for him and get in bed with these oligarchs? Well, I just <clears throat> he's not I, he's not a I, poor I, man. He's not like struggling. Well, no, it's I mean, I mean greed greed yeah. is is a pretty big deal. That's true. Greed is good, apparently. Apparently, and you know. We we talk about how great he was in in during nine uh, eleven, but what if that was the blip on the radar? Like that Possibly. was the 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 maximum amount of good he has ever done or will do. Because wasn't he married to like his second cousin? He left. He, he like he, had an affair with her or some shit. He had a lot of issues with mar- his marriages. I don't know exactly what? which, but but he, you know he's definitely you know he should have followed Jerry Seinfeld's advice, leave him wanting more. He should have gone out of the public eye and never got back again, only to speak in public about what he did as mayor. Exactly. If he would have, if he would have done that, he'd have been fine. And and mm-hmm. to go back, like, yeah, people give him shit and whatnot about you know cheating on his wife and all that good stuff, which he is terrible. Mm-hmm. It yeah. makes him terrible, but it doesn't like. Well, it doesn't that shouldn't impact. That shouldn't official. exactly. That shouldn't you know. And same for Trump, you know, what do you do with your free time, whether how heinous it might be, but when you pay off porn stars that's another thing he's he there's there's so much illegal crap that trump's done that could just be piled on that could go on for weeks and months and years for this guy so the, then that brings us to the next point like how why are republicans like just like fighting each other to fall on their swords with this for this motherfucker i like, really i really don't get it because as far as i know that the next person to become president is mike pence not a Democrat. Not the old days where you know the second and Hillary Clinton is now waiting in the wings. She's not. So like, what the fuck is the, you know this guy has not hasn't really brought the um, you know honor to the Republican Party in the last three years. Unless like, they can make it an, I mean, a dictatorship and they they get maybe. some kind of stake in that power. But like, good fucking luck with that. Yeah, you know, the only thing I can think of is they're nervous that Pence has some issues too, and he's culpable. And if he's you know forced out, then. Well, Pelosi's next in line, but like, what does that say about our our government, about our country, our leaders? If you know, we don't want to hold a, our president accountable for doing horrible things, illegal things like that. You know, what what would the case be if this was a Democratic president? Republicans would not would promise you would not be storming the Capitol and storming a, storming a skiff meeting to protest. Yeah, and what what is uh, what are, what the fuck are they doing? 
they are being assholes. They are being his little babies. They are being little Trump foot soldiers. And it's, and it's pathetic. I, I believe there's somebody waiting to talk about this. You know more than I do? I'm waiting to see. Um, where's the unmute? Nope, still no. Okay. <laughs> we'll give him a second. Uh, you know, it's it's funny because uh, I believe in, in during Benghazi, the uh, the Republicans held secret meetings. They held these meetings in private because this is an investigation. This is, this is an inquiry. Um, the Justice Department refused to investigate what's going on. Tells you a lot about Bill Barr, but they're trying to get the facts. It's almost as if Trump is being investigated by the, by the police. They're seeing, you know, the evidence is being um, being accumulated, being, you know, people being questioned, and then they're going to bring charges. You know, you don't see people who are investigated yelling at the police, crying, oh, I don't have, it's, not, it's not fair. No, it's perfectly fair. There's no trial. There's no judgment. You're gathering evidence. And this hassle is obstructing justice by having his henchmen go into this meeting, by mm-hmm. tweeting things like, oh, this is like a lynching, which is incredibly fucked up. Incredibly, listen, incredibly, I'm, incredibly awful. Listen, I'm from the north, so you know I can't really speak to the history of that. You know, I know you obviously young, younger than we were born in the '50s, but it's, it's something that's happened in people's lifetime who are on this earth. People might have relatives who were killed by lynching. Oh, absolutely. And, and to invoke that in your in an investigation where you've admitted and you've have evidence presented that shows that you're guilty, that all oh, I'm being is the lynching. No, that's d- d- disrespectful to people who suffered and to African Americans today who. You know, struggle with um, persecution and systematic racism. It's just, it's just, and Lindsey Graham to open his fat mouth and defend him. Yeah, know, even Mitch McConnell stood up against it. Yeah, Mitch McConnell. Mitch, has, Mitch McConnell's is is he, he's losing Mitch McConnell. And to your point about about lynchings, um, one of my friends had pointed me into the to the direction of a uh, of a movie they did on HBO mm-hmm. about somebody who was lynched at the Hampton Coliseum in like the '90s because he celebrated the O.J. Simpson. Um, case um so you know there are people still alive that have family members that were lynched i can tell you that is fact well at least at least today they have you know they're going to be arrested and tried for murder but they those guys got off they said it was an they said it was a suicide oh shit okay but like even little kids were like how did he get himself up the up up there to hang himself like that That it's just i can't remember the name of the movie um, but it was, it, it's just, it was some awful shit, man. It still happens. And to invoke that is to be absolute. <sighs> it should have been, it should have been a public condemnation of any elected Republican. Of course, I, I mean, I'm sure Democrats came out. I haven't really checked everybody's Twitter or Instagram, but it's been a public condemnation. It shouldn't have been, it should have been the easy one. Easy, immediate. I mean, at um, least, Antoine uh, Sedgwick, the Antoine Sedgwick story okay. was, uh, it was on HBO. So give that, give okay. that a watch. So, um, I we we have Ryan waiting, actually. I think he's he's muted. I hope he's not okay. still talking. He wanted to come in for the skiff argument, but uh, I, yeah, I would love because he yeah. he had a he he was military. He was okay, intel. Yeah, yeah and I I don't know if we might maybe he'll come on when his time and he'll touch on this. But it's it's a classified situation, and they're bringing phones in there and parading in that and, and it's it's just it should that should be an impeachable offense right there or. They should lose whatever status they have as Congress people. Hold on, are we Absolutely. talking about them about this uh, publicity stunt that the Republicans decided to pull today? We sh- we sure were. <laughs> we had to wait for you. We, we we chewed you up, but I guess you're a little tied up. Go, Ryan. Oh, I was uh, knowledge. <laughs> planning our next segment actually. In the okay. Day. Yeah, this is this is kind of ridiculous because I actually I worked in a skiff for a while and. Uh, I don't get a little understand. closer to your mic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, and we can't hear. Uh, yeah, I worked in one for a while, and the, this. Uh, you know what they're pulling is ridiculous. This is these are this isn't just a publicity stunt. This actually 
you know, causes real harm. These are these are difficult. Er- you know, th- now someone's going to have to go back in there and have to sweep the room. It's going to be this whole procedure in order to resecure that facility. You know, these are these are problematic things. You can't just barge into a secured facility like that. I mean, the, you know, besides the fact that this, you know, investigations. These are closed doors. There's Republicans in these meetings with them. It's not like the Republicans there was a Republican that was in there that was in the group that that like I guess yeah. invaded who could have been in there without doing that shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it's just a publicity stunt, and they're mm-hmm. they're sta- they're dancing all over national security in order to get a win, but it's not even a win because they're doing what they're supposed to do <laughs> like this yeah, is an yeah, investigation that's exactly what, what you just works. said mm-hmm. yeah. so yeah I, I, but aren't there republicans on these committees in these meetings i mean yeah, there are crazy here everyone they are they are represented <laughs> so there's no reason for them like and, it, it basically is what it is it was a publicity stunt so they could say oh they're doing this behind closed doors yeah. and there's no visibility and it's like bullshit you know everything that's going on you have the reports you get all the information you're just trying to go on fox news and cause a stir and i quite frankly i i don't buy it i it's 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 a bullshit stunt i think people will generally see it for the stunt it is um you know it it, i don't i wouldn't spend too much time for it but it does tell me that they're willing to you know i think i mentioned this earlier i wouldn't be surprised to see him get physical on the over this (laughs) at some point you know bring fist fights out I mean, it, it's happened happen. before and anything right. they can do to to take the yeah i mean any good so in that trump's whole mo though i mean that's kind of what trumpism is about it's not elevating everybody to you know up to be better it's showing oh everybody's corrupt everybody's slimy you know anything he can do to just muck up the process and make everybody seem bad he doesn't mind looking bad as long as everybody else looks bad with them because mm-hmm. quite frankly trump wins that fight <laughs> so is he, is he i'm know. bad but you're worse than me like he's, he's doing something worse than i am exactly exactly, exactly. It's, like he's a, it's like he's a freaking teenager i had a kid do that exactly. to me like oh well he's doing that I'm like, i don't care you're getting trouble i'll deal with him in a second like god i'm like get out of here with that crap <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I see it in my sixth graders every day. Yeah. Exactly. I have eighth, yeah. <laughs> and I have eighth graders, so clearly it's not any better. Yeah. No. <laughs> not much better. Right. But yeah, no, that's a real problem, especially when they go in there with cell phones and shit. Like, what the hell are you doing? And and really, honestly, we need to see the the, the Democrats are in charge. Mm-hmm. They can go around and show their asses all they want, but Nancy Pelosi can march the sergeant in arms in there, throw Matt Gates. It, it, it's kind the, of funny and she that. Should. That, yeah. that be funny we are that. legitimately talking about using having having to utilize the sergeant of arms for like real purposes. <laughs> you know, this is you know this is supposed to be like an honorary title. You give a gold watch <laughs> to the guy who like coordinates with the Capitol Police once in a while. Not like you're gonna have to start separating members. That's funny. Yeah. This poor guy is like, I got the cushy job of all time. Fuck. <laughs> Assholes. I worked my whole life and these motherfuckers are going to ruin it for me. Day for retiring. I got to do some work. Yeah. Damn it. Right. All right, we Dan, we have um, another segment coming up, so we okay. definitely appreciate you no coming on and helping us well, out and continuing to talk about impeachment. What do you want to plug? Um, I want to plug something. Nothing. Just hopefully next debate is what, next November 20th? November twentieth. Yeah, Beto I, got his mm-hmm. second qualifying poll. We need two more. Two more. Right, let's go. Let's go, people. Let's go. Let's, let's get, get this fucking, going. 
we've we've got to keep not having money to feed our family uh-huh. because of this podcast. We're all teachers here. That's, That's how your we story. Feed our kids. Well, yep. one thing I know, hopefully, and I joke about this. You, you, I'll keep coming back because you never know what's going to happen. Public attorney against Trump, John Thune, the majority whip. I'm uh, no, sorry, minority whip. Uh, the Senate is not is worried about the picture that Trump's painting. And just like you know, when Nixon was, he was technically impeached. Articles were written up, but this could move quickly if the Republicans start to get a little squeamish. And uh, I, it's I, all it takes is just a yeah, little bit of squeamish. I, I don't think they're going to do that. You know, it's not been in their in their in their um, mo. But you never know. Yep, we very well might more. see the third impeachment in the yeah. history of the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's looking that. more sure uh, every single day. Mm-hmm. All right, Dan. Thanks. No problem, guys. See you guys Take next week. I hope. Yep, definitely. <laughs> Adios, bye, Chris. So we're going to keep doing these um, impeachment segments um, as yep. long as we can. Hopefully we'll so continue with, be... hopefully we will not continue with the theme of uh, messed up audio. <laughs> Me coming yeah. in late on that segment. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all good. Yeah, we've had it. We've, we've had a time this episode. It's, it's right. been fun. It's, it's been, a, it's been a whirlwind. I mean, we got some things coming up here in the near future. Um, yeah, one of the big things, uh, I got a chance to talk to uh, Thomas, one of our better road warriors, and we got a big, I got a big trip planned to come up uh, and the Liberty and Justice Dinner coming up. So why don't we go ahead and bring uh, Thomas on and uh, talk about the road warriors. So I am here with one of the inaugural members of the road warriors, uh, Thomas. Thomas, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. So you're one of the original uh, Road Warriors. Why don't uh, I've talked a little bit about the Road Warriors on the podcast before? Um, why don't you tell me what what are the Road Warriors? Where where do, how did we come about and uh, what are we and what are we about? Well, we're a ragtag group of people who came together on Twitter. Ragtag for sure. Ragtag, <laughs> big big Beto fans, and we we all ended up at the Steak Fry in Iowa, and we had such a great time being there and supporting Beto that. Uh, when we left, we decided to form a group, and I think there were 20 or 25 of us yes, then, and now yeah. now there's close to 50 of us, and uh, we're growing, and we're excited. So what we do is we our goal, our mission is to just go out uh, to Beto events and provide uh, support for Beto to get him fired up. He loves to see his people, and uh, we love to be there. So uh, yeah. it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it really does seem like when he sees people he knows and supporters who are really smart, he like the energy level he brings the energy extra too he brings the energy and he and he and he feeds off of your energy so when we're there and we're visible he he gets a uh, he gets excited so we just came from the debate in ohio and, and we wanted to be there right when he came in so mm-hmm. we set up we set up a set ourselves up right by the entrance so so when beto drove by he he could see us and he he rolled down his window and 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 told us how excited he was that we were there and and that's all we needed. That's what we needed. Mm-hmm. But while we were there, we were also doing other things for the campaign. We were collecting petitions for the for to get Beto on the primary ballot in Ohio. It's a lot of states that have to do that. Uh, Virginia is still a big challenge. Uh, we, we've still got still collecting uh, signatures there in Alabama. So right now we have people working on that stuff all over the country. Mm-hmm. 
aside from, you know, the things like the debate and the rally tonight. Right. It's not like we're just showing up to cheer. We're showing up to work. Like, yeah. it really is a working group that wor- that moves and travels and works. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's amazing how quickly it's become such a well-organized, well-oiled working group. Uh, Very impressive, too. I mean, yeah. we put together a website within two weeks. We already got mailing lists and yeah. call lists and everything. Yeah. yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting. So, yeah, we've already, we've already got uh, such a great organization and so many energetic people, and we're, we're nationwide, so we, we can deploy anywhere we need to be. It's fantastic. I love it. Yeah, and also, like, if other people want to join, we're obviously open. We're taking uh, sign-ups. Um, you know, we'll help with travel, help. I mean, we All won't, are welcome. Yes. All are welcome. Yeah, we'll definitely help, uh, you know, split costs on, like, Airbnbs. and That's what we do, Transport yeah. to the airport and pick you up. And, you know, we'll take care of you. You're, you're one of us. We'll take care of our own. We take care of our own. That's, yes. our, that's one of our mottos, yeah. Yes, yeah. Great. So, and you just, uh, you actually drove in. What time did you get in last night, actually? I drove in from Ohio. I got here at 1 a.m. So, you were out at Ohio at the debate. Um, yeah. So, tell me, because you were, you said, you mentioned you were there for visibility. Mm-hmm. Um, you also did some petition. We what did site? some petitioning, and, and Storm Boyd organized a, a wonderful watch party mm-hmm. and uh, for during the debate. And then after the debate... Um, we all went to Steak and Shake, and Beto and Amy joined us there, and it was, that was very exciting. We always love to see Beto. And so at 1 in the morning, uh, 1.30, I think it was, they showed up at the Steak and Shake. What do the other customers around there think about this? They, everybody in the place was excited. There was a huge group of high school students there uh, who one of them had come over and, and said, oh, I love your shirts, and, and we said, stay around Beto's going to swing by and visit and they were so excited so they all stayed and they all got their pictures with Beto and it was was a fantastic night it was a lot of fun yeah he definitely that is one thing because we did the same thing at the steak fry we did did the birthday party and he shows up so he shows up (laughs) and that's what you can say about Beto he shows up absolutely he shows up for his people so uh, I mentioned we had a have a website out there what's the website it's uh, BettoRoadWarriors.com. And we're selling T-shirts now, right? Or are we well, soon to be? Not or? yet. Uh, I mean, we're, we're just getting the T-shirts. We're getting we're them together. hoping yeah. to have them for the Iowa event. And once we mm-hmm. get them and we all have them, then, then yeah, we'll, we'll try to figure that out. We're trying to figure out a way to, uh, to do that with and have, uh, you know, it's either going to be at cost or... Or if we have any, any, if we're making any money off of it, that it's going to the campaign. We don't, you know. We yeah, don't, we're not trying to. We don't want to make money off of make money on this, yeah. just for uh, visibility's sake. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are the next uh, big events that we have planned coming up that we could use some help for? Well, we've got the um, the big event in Iowa, the mm-hmm. Liberty and Justice uh, Convention in uh, Des Moines. Uh, that's on November 1st. We'll be there for several days before and after canvassing and uh, doing whatever we can for the campaign. Uh, we've got a lot of people going to that mm-hmm. one. Uh, That's a big one. They want yeah. as many people out there as we they can want. Get. Yeah, we're going to have a huge presence there, and more are always welcome. Uh, we have the Long Beach Convention coming up in mid-November. Um, we have 
uh, ballot petition uh, things going on in Alabama and Virginia right now mm -hmm. that we really need help with, especially Virginia. Yeah, especially the rural parts of Virginia. I'm mm -hmm. hearing that they're, and we got a group it's organizing to go, but, you know, obviously as much help as we can get. Well, the way, the way Virginia does it is you have to have a certain number of ballot signatures from each district mm -hmm. and 300 from each district. And some of these districts, you know, only have a thousand Democrats in them, so, you know, it's very hard to, to track them down and and uh, you know you're, you're knocking on 15 doors to get one signature. It's a lot of work, but um, it's just a few districts that are that are complicated like that. And and so we're really we're trying to get a big push together to to take care of that in November, uh, before the deadline. The deadline is uh, the second of December, so it's coming up. So yeah, and that's one. So we got the uh, Ohio. We just got finished with the debate. We got the Liberty and Justice, and really just. Wherever else in the future they need stuff, uh, we'll be there. That's the whole well, it's, idea. It's evolving, and and it seems like every every week we there's another event, and and I'm not even sure how many events there are. You know uh, what new events are happening right now because I've been on the road for the last week and a half, and I haven't had a chance to really to, to really Twitter. So I for for those who don't know, Thomas is probably the he drives everywhere. He has a big van, so he's the he is the road warrior. <laughs> he definitely stays on the road a lot. <laughs> I, I live on the road, and I I like it. I've always been that way since yeah. I was a kid. So uh, it suits me right. uh, to to be uh, traveling around, and also I I like to you know. I like to have my my van with me when when, yeah. we're, when yeah. we're there because it gives us all a way to move around easily. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, hey, thanks very much for talking with me. Appreciate well. talking with. You. Thank you. That's, That's all I need. Good, good, good. So, how did you guys come up with the idea of the Road Warriors? Because I know you were a big moving part with that. Yeah, that's why I said we talked about it on the on the uh, segment. But yeah, it was just kind of. After the steak fry, we started realizing that we need to do more of this and we need to continue to do this. So let's do it. And, you know, that's kind of what the whole point of a grassroots campaign is. Uh, you know, Beto said this to us personally several times because, uh, you know, when we do these things, you know, he'll he shows up for supporters. You show up there, he'll show up and say hi and, you know, talk to you if you come from out of town. So, you know, he's told us all the time, you know, at ask for forgiveness not permission just do stuff and so we did it we made this group and we're, we're running with it just kind of like yeah. we made this podcast and we're running with it exactly i was about to say um i didn't know if i could do it i didn't know if i could use his name i was just going to do it until they told me i couldn't anymore mm -hmm. and here we are at episode uh 18 um with him knowing about it and by the way we need business cards um i noticed that while i was out like we need business I told cards you. to hand people i told Dude, you <laughs> I, I fucking messaged oh, first, the, day, the envoys. I, first day i went out i was like we need business cards <laughs> yeah let's 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 get that uh, let's get that going oh, let's but get we got the t-shirts i got my t-shirt in uh so yeah we have a web store you can now purchase your looking ahead to better days t-shirt um i need to put this up on twitter soon uh, i got my uh got it in but yeah it's yeah, please put that logo. on Twitter so I can retweet it. Yeah, I got the logo, the uh, the looking ahead to better days, a podcast for the relentless. It's a nice shirt. I haven't tried it on yet. I'm gonna 
I'm saving it. I'm saving because the one you, the one that you made for me in the living room, uh-huh. <laughs> it's it, it's already peeling off. I, I washed that thing one time, <laughs> and it's already I, starting I, to. I fall put off. a lot of work into that. Well, Thank you. I think it will be uh, the nostalgia one that stays in the closet forever. <laughs> <laughs> the one when you need to paint a room. Oh yeah, okay, I'll wear this one. Yeah, uh, exactly. So. so so bringing it back to the Road Warriors, um, I need some help in Virginia on Saturday. Um, on Saturday, I am going to be hosting a giant clipboarding event. Um, so ODU, which is Old Dominion University, HU, which is Hampton University, and CNU, which is Christopher Newport University, um, are all having their homecoming games. All three of those colleges, universities, whatever – are in the second and third congressional district of uh, Virginia, where we really, really, really fucking need some help with these petitions. If you know anybody, I need you here. Saturday, October 26th, we're going to meet in the morning. We're going to break out from there, and we're going to hit these games as hard as we can. I want 75 signatures a person. If we can get 75 uh, signatures a person, we can finish two and three this Saturday. That way... With that done, we can move on to the other districts, and I can go out west and help in six and nine. Mm-hmm. So we've really got to push for this, guys. We cannot have Beto not this on this This is your ballot. golden window of opportunity to uh, knock this one out. This is our golden opportunity to make a fucking difference mm-hmm. in this campaign. Poll, you know, polls are one thing. Getting on a dis- debate stage is another. But being on the fucking ballot is a big deal. And we need to be on this ballot. I want to cast my vote March 3rd. I'm going to bust my ass to do so. Um, and we've got some supporters that are going to show up and show out to be able to do it. So come on, guys. We all need to be in on this. We all yes. need to get out. We all need to volunteer. We all need to donate. And, you know, that's. I think that's a wrap for this episode, Ryan. Yeah. We, yeah. We've hit a lot of stuff. And uh, so I guess, guys, uh, the only thing to do is to uh, keep, keep on, on looking, looking ahead, ahead to better to days. Better days.